God communicates with us in a variety of ways, sometimes by quiet whisperings of the Holy Ghost, sometimes by heavenly messengers, and occasionally by visions and dreams. The prophet Lehi had an incredibly impactful dream that taught his family important lessons and can still teach us lessons today. This is Between the Lines of the Book of Mormon, and we're your hosts. I'm Jay Harris. And I'm Andrew Harris. And we welcome you as we continue progressing through Lehi's family's journey across the wilderness. One morning, Lehi awoke, and he said, Last night, I had a dream. Yeah. In fact, it was more than a dream. I saw a vision. Yeah. And the family said, What did you dream? He said, I saw a man dressed in white. And he said, follow me. Yeah. And so I attempted to follow him. Yeah. As soon as he starts to try to follow this man in white, he finds himself in darkness and just lost. And it's not just a short time either. He says for what felt like hours. Hours. He wandered in darkness and felt this darkness envelop around him. Yeah. Who does that sound like? Yeah, that reminds you a little bit of Joseph Smith's experience where he prayed and... And then he was enveloped with darkness, darkness so intense that he felt like he was going to suffocate with this darkness that enveloped him. Sometimes when we're trying to do something good and we're about to do something good, that's when Satan really goes after you and tries to make it hard for you. And he has some power to try to influence you with that darkness that he has. Joseph Smith says that when he felt this darkness, he felt so desperate that he finally just called out and said, Heavenly Father, save me from this. Yeah, that's what Lehi did too. Lehi did the same thing. He prayed and said, deliver me from this darkness. And as soon as he prayed, he sees a field and this tree. And on the tree, there's fruit and he's drawn into that tree. He goes toward it and he starts to take of this fruit. He says it's wider than anything he's ever seen. And, and when he takes that fruit, he's filled with joy. And we have to remember that all of this is a dream. When I'm in dreams... Sometimes you just find yourself looking at one thing and you turn around, you're somewhere completely different or your things can change quickly. And also everything accompanied with all the things that you see and hear in a dream, there's feelings that you get. As he's partaking of this fruit, it's not just, oh, it tastes delicious. It, it actually fills him with joy. Yeah. You know, he doesn't tell us the interpretation of the dream, but I think he understood what it meant because he felt it. Does that make sense? Yeah. His first thought was, I'd like my family to have I want to share well. it. Yeah. That's right. His first thought wasn't about how good he was himself and how good it felt inside. It was, I want my family to yeah. take of this as well. And he looks around. He's like, where's Nephi? Where's Sam? Where's Laman and Lemuel? Where's my wife? And off in the distance, he could see Nephi and Sam and his wife, Sariah. And he called to them and said, come up here. I'm partaking of this delicious fruit and you yeah. need to be a part of that. Yeah. And as soon as they started to come up toward him, there came a mist of darkness. And he looked and he saw that there was a river that flowed beside the tree out towards Nephi and Sam and Sariah, and a path that came up beside the river. Alongside of this path, there was a handrail made of iron. Yeah. And he saw that Nephi and Sam and Sariah grabbed a hold of this handrail as they walked along this path. And finally, they were able to find their way up to the tree. And they also partake of this delicious fruit. Yeah. 
He also sees Laman and Lemuel, who he's trying to get to come. And just as they're getting close to it, that's when he notices this great and spacious building. That There's people in the building that are mocking him. Saying, ah, look at those people eating fruit. What are they you know, doing? Yeah. They're, they're dumb. And Laman and Lemuel give into that. They say, hey, oh, I don't want to be made fun of. I want to be by those people. They look like they're having fun. And so they go wandering off towards that. Well, he sees vast numbers of people who are trying to find their way yeah. to this path and to this tree of life. And as they struggle along the way, many of them get attracted to this large and spacious building that is on the other side of this water. Many people found their way to the path and partook of the fruit, but then they saw the ridicule that was taking place in the large and spacious building, and they thought, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't be here, and left the tree. I think you could be by the tree one minute and then find yourself in a mist of darkness, or find yourself in the river of dirty water, or find yourself in a great and spacious building. You can be in these places even at the same time. Like, you could be in the great and spacious building at the same time that you're in the mist of darkness in in reality, because your mind has different states. You can find yourself being proud and being sad and being happy and, and all kinds of things minute to minute. As Lehi told this story, it had to be fascinating to his family to say, wow, that was quite a dream. Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of people might have just thought, oh, that was a weird dream, and didn't think much of it. But not Nephi. (laughs) Nephi said, wow, I want to find out what that dream was all about. And so he prayed to his Heavenly Father and said, let me understand that dream. And in a vision, an angel appeared to him and said, let me take you on this path. And Nephi got to witness the same dream that his father had witnessed. Only this time, he didn't go alone. He was accompanied. And the angel finally said to him, what would you like to know? And Nephi said, I want to know the interpretation of this. What is that tree? And rather than give him an answer, the angel said, look. And Nephi looked and beheld a virgin who was a beautiful young lady, and she would have a child, and this child would be the Son of God, and he would come to the earth, the condescension of God. God made man, and he would live his life on this earth. And Nephi got to witness the miracles of Christ, healing the sick and raising the dead, and doing all of his miracles, and being followed by multitudes, and the twelve who were his disciples. Yeah. He also witnessed the suffering and the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. And then the angel said, do you understand what the tree represents? And Nephi said, yes. The tree is the love of God. Yeah, the love of God is greatest represented by his willingness to send his only begotten son to die for us. The tree is a representation of Jesus Christ. Yep. And the fruit of the tree is the grace of God that allows us to be forgiven and repent and to have the atonement and return to God in Christ. The fruit is the atonement. And I think for anyone who has experienced sin and repentance, you know how sweet that is to recognize that Christ has cleansed you from your sins. The tree and the fruit are great symbols because to anyone outside, to those people who are in the great and spacious building, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, even though they see this fruit and it's really white, it doesn't say that the fruit was actually glowing or anything. It doesn't have magical powers. They just see these people eating a fruit. If you partake of it yourself and you know, then you know you've experienced it. And you can say, wow, this is great. 
But to someone on the outside who's just seen someone eating a fruit, they're like, oh, I don't want that. Now, what are the mists of darkness? I think of the mists of darkness as doubt and fear and all those thoughts that we have that give us despair and just kind of get us lost. What is the great and spacious building? It's the pride of the world. It's the earthly pleasures and entertainment and things that the world can try to offer you that are just distractions that don't actually lead us to true joy, but lead us to just pleasure. What is the river? I think that represents sin and the desperation and despair that sin brings into our lives. What is the rod of iron? And we know that's the Word of God, which takes different forms, but we've been told we should read the Book of Mormon especially, and doing all the things that we can bring that Word of God into our life. What does the path represent? The path is the covenant way that leads to the tree. And if we make those covenants, we progress along that path until we get to the tree. And then the key is to stay close to the tree, because the mists of darkness can make it difficult to get back. Yeah. As we progress to the tree, which is Jesus Christ, and then partake of his atonement, which is the fruit that he offers to us, there is such peace and such joy that it brings. It yeah. is the joy of having eternal families. And, you know, I think it's great that interpretation that we're partaking of the fruit. You could try to make a lot of different symbols that would represent the love of God and that atonement, but... The fact that we actually ingest it and put it inside us and make it part of us, that's what we do with the atonement. He offers us this gift that we can actually take and make ourselves better people. Repentance is an amazing thing. You know, repentance actually changes our spirits. Just as the ingestion of fruit changes our outward physical bodies, when we accept the atonement of Christ into our lives, it, in fact, changes our spirits and makes our spirits more Christ-like. And then the purity of that fruit, the whiteness of that fruit, has the same effect on us. It takes us as dirty, fallen individuals and can make us clean. That is so true. And I'm sure that Nephi had that complete understanding. This vision was so impactful on Nephi's life, it was never far from his thoughts. He may have recorded it on the large plates, we don't know. But Nephi retained this vision in his memory, and some thirty years later, it was one of the first things that Nephi recorded onto the small plates, as he recounted the spiritual visions and experiences that he had received throughout his life. Yeah. Let's just go back over the history of the two plates. Years before... Lehi had started a record of his people on large plates. At the beginning of the Book of Mormon, there's that section on the different plates, and they describe what the, they are. The large plates included details of the family's struggles traversing across the Arabian Desert and their adventures crossing the Great Waters. Yeah. After arriving in the Americas, Nephi was chosen as king over his people which he wasn't excited about, but agreed to do. And the records on the large plates continued to be kept. As Nephi grew old, he passed the large plates on to the next king, who, by the way, was very possibly Nephi's oldest son. Yeah. After that, the large plates were passed down 
from king to king all the way down to King Mosiah. And then, with the reign of judges, the plates were passed down from chief judge to chief judge to the time of Christ's visit. Then they were passed from father to son until the large plates eventually came to the possession of Mormon. And Mormon then, did he abridge them? Yes, this abridgment told about the transactions of the government, the continual wars and bloody battles, as well as the entire history of Nephi's family. And this record was the original story that Joseph Smith began to translate. Over the next several months, Joseph successfully translated 116 pages. Martin Harris, a good friend, acted as scribe as Joseph Smith dictated the pages taken from the abridgment of the large plates. Martin kept on asking to show it to people, to his wife, and Martin ended up losing the translation. With that, Joseph Smith was devastated. Yeah. The Lord at that time told Joseph he was not permitted to continue translation, which must have broken his heart. Yeah. But eventually, God said, Okay, you've repented, and I forgive you. I now allow you to go on and translate again. Rather than going back to the book of Lehi and starting over, Joseph Smith went to the small plates of Nephi. Yeah. Let's talk about the small plates. It was years after the large plates were begun. In fact, this was after Lehi's death, after the Lamanites and Nephites had broken up, after Nephi had left the land of first inheritance and moved to the city that he now called the city of Nephi. And at that point, some thirty years or more after they had left Jerusalem, the Lord again commanded Nephi to make a second set of plates. These were called the small plates of Nephi. Yeah. In First Nephi chapter 9, verse 5, Nephi said, Wherefore the Lord hath commanded me to make these plates for a wise purpose in him, which purpose I know not. But the Lord knoweth all things from the beginning. Nephi didn't know at that time that Martin Harris would lose those 116 pages. Thank goodness we have that additional record that Joseph Smith could turn to. And that's why God did that. He foresaw the time when those small plates would be required. This was not a story of all their secular events and all the wars and things. He wanted the spiritual things. So this is where Nephi wrote any revelations that happened, as well as he wrote some of the things from Isaiah's writings, I think, because he felt like they were spiritual and they would benefit you know, future generations. He wrote about his own personal feelings about things and his revelations or thoughts on lots of different topics. We don't have, for that time period, all of the information recorded on the large plates of Nephi. As a result, we don't have the details about their harrowing ocean voyage. We don't have details about their landing on the shoreline in the Americas. We don't know details about the painstaking work it certainly took to build homes and design streets and construct the temple. We don't have details about the climate. Did it ever snow in this new promised land? We're not told. We also don't know about any possible encounters the children of Lehi might have had with other existing native people. All of that information was probably recorded on the large plates of Nephi. 
Instead, covering that same time period, we have the small plates of Nephi. On these small plates, Nephi didn't bother recording details of day-to-day -day trivia. He only wrote about the most spiritual aspects of his life. The revelations, the visions, the teachings about Christ. After all, why include other mundane information? To his way of thinking, those details were already recorded on the other set of plates. You know, as we keep our own journals, I'm sure there's times that we're writing things that we think are really important and we're writing about it. Like the other day I was at the grocery store and I saw there was these awesome shoes for sale that were <laughs> only $9.99. And it's like, what? <laughs> and that's okay. I think we can record those kinds of things. Exactly. And there will be some information that we can't predict that maybe our posterity in the future will read and say, wow, that's really interesting. But I think for Nephi, he wanted to only write those things that he thought, this is going to be really important. This is what they're going to need to know and what will benefit them. And I think the application is, maybe at the end of the year, it wouldn't hurt for us to pause and say, I think I'm going to make some small plates. Yeah. Instead of the large plates, let me just pick out the most spiritual things and the things that had the most influence on my life during the year and put those in another set of records. Yeah, it would be a good idea to have two sets of journals. On his deathbed, Nephi had to decide what to do with his small plates. He'd already delivered the large plates to the new king. He finally decided to give these small plates of Nephi, not to the next Nephite king who would follow him, not to his sons or his daughters, not to his grandchildren. He ended up giving the small plates to his brother, Jacob. Jacob then took the plates and continued to record his thoughts. Then, as he grew old, he handed the plates down to his children. So, what we have in the Book of Mormon today is not the record of the mighty kings, not the record of Nephi's children and grandchildren. We have the parallel record of Jacob and his descendants. I think he had a lot of confidence in Jacob to be a spiritual leader because Jacob had seen Christ and he had had revelations and he had actually recorded his preachings to the people in, in his own writings. And Jacob would you know, be a good person to hand the, this record to. Right. It was not until Amalekai, who was a descendant of Jacob, filled up the small plates so there was no room left, and he took those small plates and gave them to King Benjamin. The small plates were then passed down through the generations until one day, as Mormon was abridging the large plates of Nephi, he came across these small plates. And he writes, I found these plates, which contained this small account of the prophets from Jacob down to the reign of this king Benjamin, and also many of the words of Nephi, and put them with the remainder of my record. I do this for a wise purpose. For thus it whispereth me. Now I do not know all things, but the Lord knoweth all things which are to come. Wherefore he worketh in me to do according to his will. So Mormon took the small plates, which would eventually become the forward 27% of our current Book of Mormon, and attached them onto his abridgment of the large plates. With this understanding, what are we missing? I don't feel like we're missing that much, but we are missing, you know, some of those day-to-day -day things or some of the histories of there were some wars and things that we're missing. 
But honestly, the good parts of the Book of Mormon are the spiritual parts. And so we're not missing those things. We wouldn't have those if we were just relying on the large plates. Those small plates let you into the heart and mind of Nephi and of Jacob and on down through. God did know that the thing that was going to be really valuable to us today would be the spiritual writings and not as much those day-to-day things and the battles and everything. So he gave us what we needed. The thing that we were left without is the thing that we really don't need as much. That's right. Thank you so much for listening. Next time, we'll continue the study of Nephi's vision, where he saw the life of Christ, his death and resurrection. He saw the future of the Nephite people. He saw the last days and our day. We hope you'll join us. And of course, continue to enjoy your reading.